out of curiosity, kids, how many of you kids are getting to open Christmas gifts tonight? Any of you guys opening Christmas gifts tonight? Yeah, just a handful? All right, not too shabby. I was wondering if we'd all of a sudden have more kids here when Greg brought up all the extra candy. I was expecting a flood more, but no. So there are extra candies for the kids or the kid inside of you. Hey, I want to um, read to you a couple of verses from the book of Psalms tonight. And let's see if this is familiar during this Christmas season. Psalm 98, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Verse 7, let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Does that psalm sound familiar to any of you? Maybe kind of like we, we, you might have just sung that just a few weeks within the last couple of weeks now. It should because we have. As a matter of fact, we just sang it about 25 minutes ago. You see, Psalm 98 verses 4 through 9 were the inspiration for, for probably arguably the most popular Christmas hymn known to all humanity, Isaac's, Isaac Watts's Joy to the World comes directly from Psalm 98. But did you notice as I was reading it that there isn't any mention of wise men or a manger or angels in that psalm? Did you notice that? That's because when, when Isaac Watts wrote the hymn, Joy to the World, he wasn't writing a hymn to celebrate the birth of Christ. He was actually writing a hymn to celebrate the second coming of Christ. Did you know that? That's why in Joy to the World, it's absent of all the typical imagery that we, that's so full throughout all the other Christmas hymns. Isaac Watts wasn't writing about the birth of the Savior. Isaac Watts was thinking about the second coming of the Savior. See, it's interesting because Isaac Watts knew, he was wise enough to know that, that Christmas season, wonderful as it is, in this world isn't always as, as happy for everyone, certainly not all the time, that, that even though many of us celebrate and there's this great anticipation, right, family, presents, friends, presents, food, more presents, hot chocolate, presents of hot chocolate, all these things, there is still those who endure loss, right? Loneliness. They have want and sorrow. Even within our own church body, we've, we've seen these realities just this month. As we celebrate this great moment, we've also been able to walk through grief, and that's some of the beauty of being part of a local church. We see all these mingled together, and while we, we, we embrace all these great things and celebrate them as evidences to us of God's abundant, over-the-top, unstoppable, never-ending love, we also recognize that there are many who walk through a difficult season of life. You know, that ought to tell us something there in and of itself. I think you would all agree that Christmas season 
is probably the best time of year. I don't mean to quote that song. I don't even remember what that song is, but it really is. It's certainly my favorite season of the year. I think for most people it is. There's really a change in the atmosphere and the culture and the texture, just the way people move about. But even the best season of the year, it's still mixed with, with, with goodness and grief, with song and sorrow, with love and loss. Even the best season, this side of heaven, is intermingled with those things. And so when Isaac Watts was thinking of, of, of writing this song, he wasn't thinking necessarily of Christmas time because certainly he saw in his own life that yes, there's joy, there's gladness, there's goodness, there's all these things to celebrate, but in a fallen world, there's also so much loss and sorrow and despair. So when he was thinking of a time that would just be absolutely joyous, he wasn't thinking about the birth of Christ. He was thinking about how the New Testament talks about his second coming, when he, that time, even the rocks would sing out for joy. So let, let me just throw up, Jack, if you've got those verses up here, the, some of those verses we just sang tonight, and I want you to, to look at them again through these lens, yeah? So joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let the earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Isaac Watts is realizing that that day when Christ comes back, there's going to be a celebration that all things that were wrong are made right again, that heaven and earth can sing together. There's no longer a divide. Sin no longer separates God and man, the kingdom of God from the kingdom of man. That heaven and earth is one. All that is wrong is made right is what he's saying in verse 1. Look at verse 2. Watts continues, joy to the earth. The Savior reigns. He's, he's undis undisputed. He's not stopped. He reigns freely. Oh, yeah. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. What's he saying? That in that time when Christ comes back, the creation and humanity itself are reconciled. We are no longer fighting the creation. We're actually now singing together the same song about the reign of the Savior. Look at verse three. This is my favorite in it. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. If you know your Bible, you'll, you'll be thinking, oh, that, that's that Genesis chapter three. That's exactly what the curse was. He, Jesus, comes to make his blessings flow, and I love this next line, as far as the curse is found. And that second coming, when Christ comes again, not as a babe in a manger that we're so used to seeing, but as the victorious king, he crushes sin. No more sin be found. As his blessings flow, as far as the curse is found, wherever there's sin, his blessings flow and he crushes it. There's not going to be sorrow. There's not going to be loneliness. There's not going to be despair. There's no longer going to be death. We'll no longer say goodbye to those friends and family because sin's been crushed. And then the final verse, here it is, verse 4. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove how? Just by the fact that his, the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love, the nations will prove that because the nations themselves will prosper and flourish under his reign. 
That's how the nations prove his glorious inheritance and the wonders of his love. Every nation, every people will flourish and prosper when Christ reigns supreme, unstoppable when sin's curse has been done away with. Watts said, then there'll be joy to the world. So when Watts wrote this hymn, that uh, generations after he wrote it, it got associated with Christmas, and we can see why. So, so you're sitting there going, so what, we can't, we can't sing this song at Christmas time? No, 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 we can sing it all the time, is what I'm saying. Not just December, we ought to be singing this song, Joy to the World, in January, in June, in July, because we are always not just looking back to Christmas time, but as we understand what Watts intended, Oh, no, no, we're looking forward to that time when Christ comes again. And his birth, his birth ushered in, if it wasn't him, ushering in the kingdom where he reigns through the hearts of those who profess him as Lord and Savior. So, so if you're a Christian and you, you find yourself singing this song like we were at our home this past week, sing it not just with a hopeful anticipation, right? Right? But uh, just like you're something that you're hoping that will be true, and certainly don't sing it with just a holiday sentimentality. Sing it as Watts believed it to be a, a very concrete, real expression of the reality that the gospel brings. That all those who put their faith and trust in the work of Christ on their behalf and give up trying to earn their self salvation, give up trying to carry the load of being good enough. How do you know you're good enough? When is it enough? You never know. But all those who would say, you know what, I'm tired of laboring under trying to be good, I can't. Yeah, I said this at our Christmas program, Christmas is the evidence from God that we can't do it. <laughs> right, you ever thought of that? Christmas was God's way of saying, wow, you just can't pull this off, can you? <laughs> That's okay. My son will do it for you. It's the most wonderful compliment that I can't accomplish something I've ever gotten. That God said, Rick, you can't do it. Let Jesus do it for you. And you put the burden on trying to be right with me on him. And Watts says, when we do that, then there's joy to the world. And that's the joy we sing about. That's the joy we're celebrating tomorrow. As you're opening those gifts, remember, wow, this gift, it also reminds me, I can't earn my salvation. I can't be good enough. But that's why God's, God the Father sent God the Son, because I can't do it for myself. Now, the way we're going to wrap up tonight is uh, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to head on out to our palm court, and some ushers are going to give you some candles, and we're going to be able to sing just a couple of songs. I think it's uh, Silent Night, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I think some great ones. I would love for you to do this. I do this, you know, if you go to church normally, like I do, usually every Sunday, <laughs> my congregation is saying it, we hope at least every Sunday, you can get into a mode where you sing and you're not really listening to what you're singing. You ever do that? I, I, I do that sometimes. Oh, don't, these are rich songs. When you go out there, we're not going to have instruments. So there, there are few distractions other than all of us standing in a circle, holding these candles, singing some of the most significant, poignant words that were ever put to paper in song. And we're going to worship God together that way. And so I want to encourage you, keep the, the service guide you got because the lyrics are on the back of that. Let me pray, and we're dismissed to go outside and sing a couple of carols on our Christmas Eve service. Father, we thank you that our hearts are full of what Watts was talking about, this joy 
There's so many great things about Christmas season, and, and I love so many of them. But Father, our greatest joy is what Watts talked about. <laughs> because of Christ, because of what we're celebrating, his birth and his life, recognizing that he did something for us we could never do for ourselves. And as Greg said, all you ask is we would believe and embrace by faith. Father, may that be true of every single one of us in this room tonight. May Christmas not just be a time of, uh, of friends and family and presents and gift, but a time of worshiping the Savior of the world. And we'll thank you for it. In his name we pray. Amen.